Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and as always, I'm joined by the delightful Matthew Stubblefield. And today, we're going to take a look at using the Atlassian tools to manage your business at the macro level. And to do that, we've got a very special guest, the man with whom there aren't enough hyperboles to describe, the one and only, the magnificent, Tom Lasparini, everyone. Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me. Tom, it's a pleasure. Matthew, how you doing? I feel like, I feel like Ryan, we really need to edit in a Wilhelm scream right there. Uh, done. By the magic of... This not actually being live. Yeah, that well, it is Adaptivist Live, but as we've talked about, it's not really live. It'll soon be live. <laughs> so, someday. When will then be now? Uh, I'm happy for screams, adulation, rounds of applause, anything, anything like that's good for me. Through the magic of uh, audio recording, we can make all of that happen, Tom. Uh, Your dreams come true. <laughs> so let's move on to today's Thunderbolt round. And today's Thunderbolt round is the most majestic view you've ever seen. So I'm going to give everyone a minute to talk about the most majestic view you've ever seen. And I'm going to go with the Grand Canyon. So the Grand Canyon in America, um, I ended up there sort of as a side trip from my trip to uh, a music festival in California. And we thought, you know what? We're on the road. The Grand Canyon's two hours that way. We really ought to go see it. So um, we go to the, the Grand Canyon. We get out. And it is so magnificent. It's beyond understanding how this thing, the, to me, I, I understand it. I know that water made it, but it's so magnificent. It looks like it's painted on, right? And uh, the, the real kicker, though, and, and if you know me, you know I'm a bit of a music nerd, right, is one of the, the people I'm with is looking out of the Grand Canyon. He's like, hey, man, can I have the keys to the car? There's a Jack Johnson song that really just sums this all up for me right now. And I, I laughed at it, which is terrible. So uh, that's, my, that's my majestic view. Tom, what about you? Okay, so I think my majestic view also has a water theme, I guess. Um, so not everybody knows, but I'm uh, far from being British. I was actually born and uh, raised in the early part of my life in Switzerland. My hometown of uh, Lugano is uh, right on the Italian border. Uh, and the town is on a lake, half of which is in Italy and half of which is in Switzerland. And my godfather owns a cave and a pontoon. So we get the wine and cheese out and we set up a deck of cards and we play a local game. And I sit there on the pontoon over the lake, looking back across the uh, the beautiful town of Lugano, which is where, where I was born. And it makes me uh, feel very peaceful and particularly dramatic as the, the out down behind town into the lake, uh, which is just uh, very soothing, very relaxing, and a wonderful, wonderful view. Nice. Tom, that's a fantastic view. And I, we, someday we got to talk about the food there. Uh, Matthew, the most spectacular thing you've ever seen. So I'm actually changing my answer after hearing Tom's description because it, it, he reminded me of um, some time I spent in the Alps. And I think it is difficult to compete with Switzerland. Um, Sadly, since I've just now thought of this, this answer, I don't recall where I was, which is not the greatest story. Uh, I recall we, we, we flew into uh, Geneva and uh, there was a two hour train ride. And then there was probably another hour. Uh, one of those, uh, I don't know what to call it. And Tom, you probably know like this, this trolley is hanging by a cable cable car and you, cable car. You take, 
you take this cable car up into the mountains and you just switch you take to a different one um, yeah, you have no described other- every ski resort in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> but this wasn't, I don't know that this was a ski resort. It was just this little mountain village. There were some vineyards, there was a castle, uh, and uh, some friends of mine were getting married there. And so uh, we, we traveled to Switzerland and went up there. We spent four days, uh, just four day long celebration up in the mountains and looking out from the, the place we were staying. Um, and the U.S. sort of described it as a bed and breakfast, uh, but this, this, this wonderful family that ran this place, it was, it was beautiful. We'd look out the window from the balcony and it, like Ryan described, it looks like it's painted. It looks like this can't possibly be real. It's like, we're, we're looking at a blue screen on a movie. It's hard to believe that's over there. Uh, and four days was not enough. You don't become inured to that. You don't, you don't reach a point where you go like, Oh, this is a normal backdrop. Uh, it was it was stunning. Every day was stunning there. I love mountains, and now that now that I'm hearing you guys tell these stories, I have a better one than the Grand Canyon. But what's interesting is, is I don't really like mountains that much. Uh, my original story was about Utah and the desert. I don't I don't like the desert. I don't really like the mountains. I'm I'm from the Ozarks. I like forest. I like deep forested hills. This is where I'm most comfortable. But man, the Swiss Alps. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, real quick, I got to tell this because it's funny. In Denver, Colorado, for an on-site engagement, I'm driving from the Denver airport to where my hotel is in Boulder, and I come around this curve, and the mountains open up in front of me, and all I can do in this moment is slap my leg and grunt like a monkey. <laughs> Seriously, I could not contain myself. Just ooh, overwhelmed. Ooh, ooh, which should not surprise any of our listeners that I, I am an ape. Anyway. If our listeners. Viewers, they would see that this is a very you know you could see this. Yeah, it's it's pretty evident. Brian, you've um, seen picture. So we've discussed these gigantic, magnificent, sweeping views and the grandeur of nature. Our business looks like that too. Maybe totally. Every day, activists. I'm thinking this is stunning, breathtaking, <laughs> majestic. But we need to be able to see um, things at a big level. Sometimes we need to be, and Tom especially is responsible for stepping back um, and looking at the big picture. Well, we should perhaps tell people what Tom does at Adaptivist. That's a, that's a really good idea. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to tell people what I do? I would love you to tell people what you do. We're talking too Nobody much already. To yeah, that's okay. So, so, so I go by the title of Chief Operating Officer. Um, what, what that means at Adaptivist is really our services business. So uh, anything we do that involves um, delivering projects, managed services, or indeed a lot of the great work uh, you guys do in learning and development, that's kind of my remit. So, so it's important for me to know what people are doing when they're doing it and, um, you, you know, whether we're making a success of things. So I, I spend my life worrying about those things. Worrying shucks. Well, Tom, when you are looking at these service-based, you know, parts of the, of Adaptivist, um, you are getting information from several different leads, right? Matthew's the lead of learning development. We have other people leading other departments. How do you reconcile the information that's coming in from these different facets? Are they giving you the same numbers? Yeah, so 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 generally, um, generally, all the heads of department, like Matthew, um, present similar kind of information. 
Okay. And for us, it's about using, using the tools we have available to us to try and be consistent. Okay. Um, but when it comes to crunching numbers, the spreadsheet tends to be fit for purpose, but we do use information out of say JIRA, for instance, to try and get some consistency in a spreadsheet that is equally applicable to, to, to Matthew and learning development. So our, our biggest cost base is our staff. Okay. And all the talented people we have working for us. Okay. Um, they, they deliver these great things. So tracking where their time is spent is one crucial half to the information we need to look at. And the other one in terms of tracking performance is then how much money we've made. Okay. And that's where, where the senior managers and the project managers all use uh, their judgment and how, how much, you know, we use things like Jira Burnshot, see how much we've gone through a contract. They can say, we earned this much money and we spent this much time doing it, and therefore we made or lost this much money. Okay, and that's 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 really when you boil it down to those those fundamental principles, you can be consistent in asking uh, our management team to feed up to me what they know, while still appreciating the different nuances between the different lines of service. Okay, so that's that's how at a basic level how how we bring it all together. One thing that's notable is that uh, humans do a pretty good job understanding money. And this is something we've learned in project management science of we're bad at understanding time, but we're good at understanding money. And so one of the things that I do is I'm getting information to Tom is I'm, I'm looking at how have certain types of business performed. Um, so it's, it's not just a mercenary. We want to make a lot of money, but I want to know what's actually helping people and what's valuable to them. And so translating things into finances helps to see is a, is a project on time and on budget is it providing value for people or are they investing in it? Because if they're not, then we should spend our time elsewhere. Uh, but we, we've, you know, that, that money check helps us be a bit more objective about it uh, and to evaluate what is actually valuable and helpful for people. And that's, that's part of how I look at it. I think the spreadsheets help us do that. One of the yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, th I think the other thing that's important is that we, we yeah, it, sometimes my life looks a little mercenary. But uh, time and understanding where it's being spent, like you point out, Matthew, is so, so important because we, we need to see if you know, people are working too hard, we're asking too much of them, if they need a break, if, uh, you know, if we don't spend enough time putting aside time to innovate, if I don't see enough people doing R&D, if I don't see enough time going into things like this amazing podcast, right, we, we stagnate as a company. So it is more than just making money, you're right. Um, and, and we use it to look at a lot of other things because time is valuable and we can do, you know, we can, do, we can just do amazing things with it. And, and, and we do every day and every week. So it's great. I just want to point out that Tom Lasparini just called our podcast amazing. Just putting that out there, ladies and gentlemen, we've been approved. Um, I think we need a new title for this podcast. Tom Lasprey calls this podcast amazing. TM. Episode whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. But uh, so that's one thing, Tom, that I think is an incredible part of being an adaptivist is that um, you look at time and you don't look at it. You do. You do. Trans, you have to translate it to a dollar value. But you are so concerned and you are so consistently concerned with making sure that your employees are not overstretched. And I, I mean, we appreciate that tremendously. I, Ryan and I have talked about this. I feel like I don't know if it's a British thing. I know at least it's not an American thing. Uh, and so we are we are grateful for that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a unique it's a unique maybe, perspective. Maybe it's a Swiss thing. We don't know. Europe is when you talked about Switzerland being far away from England. I was like, this is like saying 
Uh, I wasn't born in Washington, D.C., so I'm not really American. I'm from Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly the most American thing said on this podcast yet. (laughs) I I think I'm closer to Switzerland here in London than you two are from each other, aren't I? Um, Uh, You are. Yes. Actually, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, Tom, we use so yes, we we bring a lot of information out of Jira um, in order to to plug into some spreadsheets that allow us to to synchronize across different areas of the business. Um, we pull area information out of EasyBI as well. We we uh, one of the plugins for Jira that we use to aggregate our business data. But we're also doing some cool things from an operations perspective with Jira. And one of the things that you had mentioned earlier was how we're doing proposal review. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, it's 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 relatively um, it's it's relatively new thing that we're doing, um, but it's really added great value to the governance process. Okay, so uh, we have always used Jira to track sales opportunities. Okay, um, in part because we need to be able to log time when you guys are helping on those sales opportunities, but also it gives us an overall picture of what uh, uh, what opportunities are open, what are we working on, and we can use the commenting system to provide feedback, and we use Confluence to write the proposals. So we've we've always used the Atlassian tools in the sales process. However, what we've instigated recently is is due to the problem we found that keeping track of all these proposals and where they are, given given we're continually growing, we just have more and more and more over them, uh, of them. And try, trying to get a snapshot view of where each of those proposals are and whether they have gone through the correct governance process is kind of hard, right? So we, we have a governance process whereby uh, opportunities of different size are approved by different levels of management, right? So I, I have to look at the, the really big deals, However, uh, Matthew, other managers can, can, can approve smaller deals. Um, so where do we get one view in that? Well, we, well, we now use Jira Kanban boards, right? And, and I'm not, um, I can't profess to be an agile expert or somebody who has made uh, huge personal use over the years of all these tools. But, but the, you know, you know our, our consultants and our head of PS and Gareth who, who put this together, um, you know, I, I can, we can now see in one place where each proposal is when it's due, who the next step is waiting for in, in a visual way. Um, you know, we use color coding. We use uh, the swim lanes to see, see what's going on. And it's just really, really easy to do. And, and the other thing is it's great for, um, you know, the, the, those members of the team here at Adaptivist who don't have to use Jira every day, right? You know, we, 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 we do use it for nearly everything, right? But, you know, our finance and sales team don't need to use it as much as, as, as you guys or, or our consultants. Um, so you want something easy, something, something visually clear, something that still makes sure you're adhering to the process we've put in place. And it's just super fast, super snappy. Everybody can use it and understand it. And, and we've really seen an improvement in the throughput. You know, uh, uh, proposals, opportunities are not falling between the cracks because we've got kind of one camera or one dashboard to see it all. So you know, I, I'm, I'm really positive and enthusiastic about it. And it's made real difference in the, in, in, in the few weeks we've had it in place. So what you point out there, um, I think, is very important for our listeners because there are users who, who just they don't need Jira every day. But what they do need is to have a good, succinct view of what's going on. They need visibility more and accountability more than they need, per se, to transition an issue. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful point to note that everybody uses, everybody in an organization, different levels of the organization, they use Jira differently. And that's not just okay, but that's good. 
not everybody needs to be in there every day. And often we're working with teams where you've got people that I would kind of call the line workers or the developers or something. They're in there every day. This is how they get their tasks. This is how they manage their work. Uh, but then we work with people like Tom, who's at the C level, or you know, in the U.S., we'd often call them vice presidents. Um, they're in there once a week, once a month. They're doing quarterly reporting. They're needing a, a, a dashboard or a Jira software board. Often we are building Kanban boards for this to help people visualize the status of work. And for those of you who are interested in dashboards and reporting and figuring this out, it's always important to think about your target audience and what level they need to look at. Tom, my guess is you probably don't need to get down in the weeds a whole lot. You're not, you know, would, you, would that be fair to say that you're not looking at like the, the minutia of this? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if, if you take Jira as an example, uh, dashboards, I, I need to look at that, visualize something quickly for me. In terms of if you think of the, the, the hierarchy of categories, projects, issues, you know, it's, it's rare that I actually have to go into an issue, right? I, I, I just don't. So when, when Ryan talks about me not caring about a, you know, not, not having to care about how a, uh, how an issue is transitional, what status in that, that's actually quite true, right? I, I need to know which projects we're working on, whether we're doing the right things. And, and I know all that at the project level. So I have no need to do that. I transition very few issues. I'm continually surprised every time we upgrade our version of Jira that I, I need to learn the interface a little bit new because it's changed, you know, because I don't have to go into the depths of it uh, in my job day to day. Um, I, I make it a point of mine to try and learn, which is why I'm doing my accreditation learning paths, because I think it's good that we understand it. But no, day, day to day, I don't have to get into the weeds. So, Tom, that's all really great. Can you can you share with us a little bit about how you are efficient in your data in your operations day to day? Sure. I think, um, you know, I, I don't think this is unique to, to kind of the executive level. Uh, all you guys are doing it in your project teams. But, but for me, a, a top tip is to agree amongst your peers. So for me, it's agreeing with our CFO and CEO, sales director, what information do we want and where do we get it from? Okay. And then we only need to ask for it once. So, uh, you know, I've worked in organizations uh, where, you know, some, somebody wants a number for something and, and, and they ask one person, then they ask another person. They get a slightly different answer. Um, we, we have a single source of truth that as an executive, we abide by and we've agreed up front. And so week in, week out, month in, month out, we know we're looking at a consistent set of numbers. You know, it's the old adage, compare apples with apples. We do that. The reason it makes us efficient is that our managers who provide this information only get asked once. They don't get asked three times. Okay. More efficient less prone to error. That, that, that'd be, you know, my tip top to bottom. Agree with your teams, what it is you want to do, how you want to track it, and then go and do it in a consistent manner. Just, just makes you super efficient. So this is all an, an, an excellent um, look at what a stakeholder, what someone in the executive level um, is experiencing with their business on a day-to-day basis, with, with pulling information out of JIRA on a regular basis. Um, and I want to thank you, Tom, for coming in and providing such awesome insight. Um, if you, are one of our listeners, wants to come and work for a bad mamma jamma like Tom Lasparini, you got to visit www.joinadaptivist.com and apply today. So once again, a massive thank you to our guest, Tom Lasparini. Uh, and of course, Matthew Stubblefield, thanks for being here today. Obligated as always. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. 
I'm Ryan Spilgen. This has been Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast, and we'll see you again next week. start except it was matthew's idea yeah absolutely <laughs> but but you took it and ran with it we'll, 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 that's how we work that's how we work that's how we work yeah matthew does everything i'm just really oh, okay uh, sort of the ape